0: welcome to sports 360 podcast here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports ranging from local issues from the nigerian scene to global issues and uh, we like to make it an all sports affair. sports 360 we can go anywhere any sport my name is DJ omoto imbo and i'm adeyemi adesoya i am akimbo de hello there Very good day to you wherever you're listening to us from across the world. It's time again for Sports 360 Podcast. Many thanks for joining us. Always grateful for your support on this show. Yemi Adeson is here. Boriogutui is still in the U.S. And it's getting very, very interesting. NBA Finals. We're not talking about the NBA Finals today. uh, And we're not talking about basketball today at all. But we start at home on the African continent, so to speak, with the fact that uh, Al Ali have made it a record 10 CAF Champions League title wins. To illustrate the dominance of the North African teams, the last five finals have had 10 teams, only one of them. Kaiser Chiefs was not from North Africa. That's just an aside. That's not our topic for today. The topic for today is the fact that Pizzo Mousimane It's turning out to be the best coach on the African continent. He's led Al Ali now to two uh, consecutive Calf Champions League titles. You could argue that the ninth one he won, they were in the latter stages when he joined them, but this one was all of his own making from the start, from the group stages to the final. They've won it. And he also had won this same tournament with Mamelodi Sundowns earlier. So he has three Calf Champions League titles. And um, after the game... He made a couple of statements that have turned out to be very controversial and have divided opinion. Basically, the crux of what he said was that African countries, African national football associations or federations should have more respect for African coaches. And that has divided opinion. Some people feel he's talking uh, tough because he's won <laughs> three, but he's earned it. He's earned the ability. He's earned the right to be able to speak his mind. But some have also said He's making a point that there are so many quote-unquote mercenary foreign coaches or European coaches on the African continent that do not merit the job and that their only qualification for the job is the fact that they're white and that they take jobs away from uh, Africans. So that's the basic line of what Pixel Mosimani said. So let me start with Bodio Guntui on that. But uh, are there any merits... To Pizzo's, what we call Pizzo's postulations, that African countries, African national federations, African maybe club sides do not respect African coaches enough. Do you agree or disagree?
1: You know, BG, when I first heard that statement, what's popular in my mind was that Pizzo should have perhaps gone to the World Club Championships and the, the FIFA World Club Championships and, and got into the final. With um, uh with, with his team before making that statement, and I realized that an African team has, has actually played in the final, final of that tournament, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, has only um, yeah. played in, in in the final of the tournament, so um an African team has has, has, has done that. And then with further reflections, I think Pizzo may be correct because I remember uh in fact that was what drew my attention to the final that Pizzo has won it. Uh, because um, I, I I didn't know the, the final I knew I mean, they were they were close to the final but I lost touch um uh, because I was of course involved with in basketball and all that and I was also on the basketball and because of the time difference I just saw a message a message on social media uh, by Solis truku that uh, so what's the, what what now for Pizzo, that she has won everything with um uh, with with the team with uh, Al ali and now um the only way to go is probably down because. Now, if if, if, it does, if it doesn't do as good as this next season, because it's not Egyptian, uh, the odds that the fans will turn on him. And I was, I and mean, then I went to leave for the uh, for the highlights, and I saw how comprehensively the won that final. And yes, they, I think I agree with him, um, because like Solis suggested, if next year now Pistol doesn't get to the final finals of this tournament, because it's African, the odds are that Egyptians will mm, turn on him. Now, because the team has, has seen so much success so, so much on, on the African continent, that on the surface of it might look like it's normal. But the, the, this argument will start again. Is it because it's, it's, it's from sub Saharan Africa? Is, it that, is that the reason because the Egyptians tend to favor. It, so a lot of North Africa, in fact, most of North African countries, they feel they're Europeans, they feel they are better than other Africans. So, that question might come up. I remember this lady Stephen Keshi, his travels with Togo, uh, what happened to him in Nigeria. And um, I suspect that if, if, it, if, it, if it was a foreign coach, um, it probably would have gotten further f- f- treatment, especially with Nigeria. And then, Prince of Mos- Mosimani himself, the never coached South Africa for a while, and then the circumstances have led to, uh, to, um, uh, to his leaving that job. Now, Mos- Mosimani has won the Cup Champions League with two different clubs. Yeah. One in the South Africa and one in North Africa. Now, let me start another controversy. You know, if a Nigerian FA president ever suggests that Muslimani the Musimani coach the national team, everybody will go up in arms. Mm-hmm. But right now, I don't think there's any white coach on this country or any, any foreign coach on this continent that has a better track record than Piso Musimani. Maybe the only coach, uh, the white switch doctor, probably, who won, uh, uh, who, who won against all odds, who won the Nations Cup with Zambia. So, mm-hmm. from, that, from that perspective, I think Pizzo is correct because right now, Pizzo, national teams will line up mm-hmm. looking to hire Pizzo. Pizzo is African. Pizzo knows this continent. Not just, look, let us assume that a lot of clubs cannot afford him because if you look at the salary, in fact, the salary is with, uh, with uh, Al-Ali now. Most national teams cannot pay it. But those that can kind of afford to pay it, right now they should be offering him jobs. Piso, for for what it's worth, should be able to com- command the job. Hey, look, that statement does uh, not does not uh, apply to Africa. For what Piso has done, it should be able to command the job at least with a club in France or Belgium. Mm-hmm. Let us uh, uh, I mean, we know he can he can coach. Every, every team that Piso has coached, I keep doing not, I watch them play and I like the way they play. So it's, it's not about that uh, al were already successful when he joined them. It. it is that Pizzo knows what he's doing. Okay. And so I, I agree with that statement but say hey, Deji you and I know he has said it and it's a scenario that at the Peter Nala is probably what will happen next year if for, for, for any reason at all Pizzo doesn't win the Cap Champions League because it's difficult well, yeah. it's difficult to maintain so let us see where
0: to go from there. Okay. Interesting, um, angles that Brode brought into it. So um, they, so we say Pixel should coach a, an African team. Would they give him the same kind of respect they give to a foreigner? For instance, maybe Nigeria, maybe some one or two other countries. Let, let me just give you a few stats here, um, to buttress the point of national team coaches that Bodhia has introduced. In 2017, at the African Nations Cup, 12 of the 16 teams, uh Were white coaches in 2019, 13 of 24 were not from the continent. Interestingly, the two teams that got to the final were handled by African coaches: Senegal and, and of course Nigeria. Belmadi, who won a for Senegal. Belmadi, who eventually won it with Algeria. At the moment, on the African continent, 54 countries, 29 countries have foreign coaches or non-African coaches. And the top 10 paid African coaches, seven of them are Europeans, national team coaches. You know, so it buttresses the point, Jeremy, that we tend to show more respect for... I don't have anything against some of these foreign coaches, but some of them, for me, the record they bring, the record's they parade to get these jobs. An African with the same record or similar record will probably not get those jobs. Never. Mm. We have a very... Give you an example right here, right here, in right in us. front of us. Get a raw with his resume. <laughs> if he was Nigerian, he would not get any job with a Niger, Burkina Faso. Mm. His claim to fame is Bordeaux, 1996. Yeah, that's all. That's his claim to fame. So, you ask yourself, really, are Africans fair on themselves? Are we fair? on the continent, on the amount of work that some of our coaches put into you know uh building themselves. And Pizzo epitomizes that completely because he's he's put himself in a position where he can make these comments. Yeah. Because he can work earned the right. He's earned the right to make such comments. And I also think that it's because Africans, if we are being sincere, we don't like ourselves that much. Is it a case of inferiority complex, though? Of course, a huge case of inferiority complex. Without a doubt, huge okay. case of. You can look around Africa, and see even every Renard that is supposedly well revered. Quite and check where he, you know, his antecedents up until when he showed up uh, with Zambia. Mm. Uh, in fact, you know that we almost filed certification for him. Yeah. Before Keshi went on to win the Nations Cup in 2013. Look at where, he's, where he was a at Oxford, if I'm not mm-hmm. uh, mistaken. He won the Nations Cup at Zambia, went to Morocco, didn't do too well. Mm-hmm. He's now in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Our own Raw. Uh The guy who was just fired by Zambia. Michu, who supposedly has a huge reputation, but has flunked the last few jobs he's had. Mm-hmm. Best up at Orlando Pirates. Uh, fired by Zambia. I think I was kicked out at, uh, I think, Uganda or so. So those are the guys that have the huge so-called reputation across Africa. And you ask yourself, really, it's about time we start taking chances on our guys. The same chances we give the Europeans, we need to start taking such chances. Gereno is another example. People will probably say we, we fought Gereno a no, but if a Nigerian coach was knocked out in the 2018 World Cup in the group stages, he mm. would have been fired. They could, they could, that's, that's a good angle because the question I ask is that cannot right in the first place. wouldn't have gotten that job. Was, but having gotten the job, if he was not who he is, would he have kept the job up till now? No way. If he was Nigerian or African? No way. Then the flip side also is that whilst we are so open, to Europeans and foreigners and whatever to come in, them on that side in Europe, in South America and what have you are not that open. Mm. Despite how much we have exported players to Europe, mm. they are not they are open enough to take our players, but they are not open enough to okay. allow them to transition. Let me hold you there. But but there has been a criticism of African. But all the Nigerian coaches, Yemi has also made the criticism that they do not work hard enough in improving themselves. They do not work hard enough in developing themselves. They do not work hard enough in doing, in dirtying their hands, taking, trying to grow from the lower rungs of the ladder, build themselves up like Pito has done, like Keshi did, like a few others have done, like Heavy Renard did. Is there a merit to that statement that African coaches just want? jobs dropped on their laps without earning it and then they hide under this uh, we're not respected and all that that they've got to earn it more what do you think?
1: To be be honest, some of them do but there are some who have done what Yenia said and they're still not getting the respect or the jobs that they deserve and the names are plenty look Imanina Munike worked with Tanzania and for all this work, Amunike might not be. Uh, how, how do I put it? We, we haven't seen much from Amunike in terms of results. That I mean, that you can hype. Uh, 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 that you can hype. But the fact is that Amunike, as far as I'm concerned, Amunike and Genotro are at the same level. I'll explain why. Genotro was in Burkina Faso. Mm. If I remember correctly, uh, in fact, when General Raw was hired, all of us asked a question, and they, they, they underline it so many times. If a general coach has this kind of uh, resume, we hire him. Mm. Look at Amelique's resume. At the moment, That's at the moment, he has a at better resume
0: way. than Raw had when he got the job.
1: The point is Tanzania that fired why Were they going to win the Nations Cup? <laughs> you had a coach that you know has a pedigree. You, do, you hired him to do a job, and you're looking for him to become a miracle Look at Stephen Sia Sia before his troubles. Sia, Sia had a better resume than many other coaches. Why don't African coaches, other other nations, even let's assume that Nigeria, we have a chip on our shoulders and we, 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 we overrate ourselves. Why can't African countries, just like Togo did with uh, with Stephen why can't they hire? Why can't Amunike and SSA get a job? Why is it that up to now we are still talking about what looking for? Look, we understand that, yes, sometimes these guys look for jobs that are, in quotes, bigger than them because a lot of them, to be honest, they are waiting on the Nigerian uh, effort to give them jobs. But like togo like, like Cote d'Ivoire did with Stephen Keshi, why can't they nations? Why can they do that? Now, I remember I mentioned Nigeria and, and Musimani a few minutes ago. What if Nigeria said, okay, you know what? Muslimani we have seen what you can do. Come and coach the super-goals. And I know some Nigerians will say, ah, because South African, oh, and that is where the problem is. All of us think the same way. Let's be honest. It's not just about African countries. It's about us. I would like, gladly, well, I, I gladly hand the Nigerian national uh, team coach to Muslimani because I know that he will, I know he will be biased and he will be desperate to succeed. But with the Nigerian FAA, Think about it. We Nigerian people allow, allow him to think about it, I and mean, maybe that's a problem that our own coaches too, like like Sia uh, and Abunike have with other other nations. The fact that if they are a Nigerian, there'll be a backlash. So it's not about it's just about the nation; it's also about us as Africans.
0: Okay, buddy. Yeah, but, um, but, okay, you're gonna gonna, go. but but whilst I agree with know uh, what he said, but at the same time, there are clubs where our coaches can some of these guys that we mentioned to the, CIA, the mm. that they can apply to. But if they're not, if they're they not, no, they no, okay, hold it there, apply. Have they not built enough of a CV to be head-hunted yes, by some well. of those lobes? But, I, but it, it, has it's not happened. I think it also has to do with their posture, with their posturing, how they place themselves. Maybe they mm. only want national teams. Exactly, don't, they only yeah. want some particular type of jobs. So, what's wrong with a CSI popping up in Cote d'Ivoire, or the club or maybe African sports, any uh, of this club, uh, Sao Pedro, and then build, there, rebuild build it from there. I'm only the showing up in maybe one of the clubs in maybe Southern Africa. You know, build up that way till maybe one of the other clubs will eventually say, okay, mm. this is the guy we should take. So I, I think posturing is also very important. So, uh, well, let's end it there. Peter uh, Mosimane has done great. He's done the right to say what he said. Uh, there's a lot of merit to what he said. You may not like how he said it or the platform way he made the statements, but definitely um, there's a lot of disrespect. I think we conclude here for African coaches, by African um, administrators and uh, clubs or so national teams mostly. And at the end of the day, I always say something. Um, you can't know Africa more than Africans. Um, I've always felt like uh, some of those foreign coaches appear like they just come here for the money. They're just here as mercenaries. Some of them have done well in fairness to them, but I think African coaches will be more committed to getting successes for their countries. But on the other hand, they themselves have to continually improve themselves and put themselves under. Get me sick. Be ready to dirty your hands. Start from the bottom. So, on the question of coaches, Ronald Kuman is the coach of Barcelona. He has a... <laughs> I don't want to use a negative word, but he has a tough, tough Tough, tough times 10 job on his hands. Because Barcelona, it appears the financial bubble has bust. Barcelona have, um, hired some players lately. Memphis Depay, free. Eric Garcia, free. Sergio Aguero, free. Messi, we hear, is resigning, uh, with much lower wages, although we're told that those wages are not, it's not a wage deduction, it's a wage defer deference till the later date i will actually get his money and all of that but beyond signing these players they cannot register them yet you mean i was at guys i was at la liga november 2019 uh for a one week training at la liga business school and i can tell you that they're so strict with the financial controls in fact the financial oversight body um they are they are separate from the la liga body they are in the completely that was independent, they are funded independently, and they can check any part of the La Legal financial structure. So, that structure is so strict that right now, Barcelona, as big as they are, cannot flout the financial restrictions they face because there's a cap they cannot go beyond in terms of salaries to pay, and they have that issue now. So, they are trying to now uh, get rid of some. High-profile players on, fan, on high salaries or high wages to be able to go within the cap and not flout La Liga's financial restrictions. So it's gone to the stage where we hear Memphis Depay is also taking a 30% pay cut less than two or three weeks after signing and having not played for the team. So Yemi is it's a mess. And just on the lines where John, John Laporta probably won the election and Bartomeu lost it because under Bartomeu, Barcelona's financials just went awry. Uh, it's it's unfortunately you started with the with the oversight side because yeah. if if they were that strong, mm. what were they doing watching Barcelona have debts up to one billion dollars? Yeah. So maybe they couldn't control that that aspect of the finances. And I think that's where that's a quantum of Barcelona's problem. Mm. Having about a billion dollars in debt is a huge problem. Now, what we also need to understand is Barcelona are. The number one team in revenue generation in the world. So they're number one. I think Real Madrid is number two. The Manchester United, I think maybe Bayern Munich are somewhere number four, they're about. So um, their debt far outweighs whatever revenue they're making. Now, the other side is that their cost of income is about, I think, about 80 to 90%. That's the cost associated with them running Barcelona, it's about 80 to So, you're talking wages to players, wages to uh, managers. Um, if I payoffs off to managers that they fired, uh, one is Valvade, um, the cost associated with running the club generally. Another issue. Now, the major issue Barcelona has today is partly the fact that LMS is a player for them. Why? is because the majority of what they earn as a revenue is linked to Lionel Messi. So, whilst they signed uh, a deal with their shared sponsor, Rakuten, to um, be their shared sponsor, Mm -hmm. I think the deal was for 55 million euros per per, per annum. It had a Messi clause. kind of had what they call a Messi clause. Mm -hmm. So, that deal had run for three years. At the point it was going to expire was when there was an issue with Messi. Messi, okay. Now, when they resigned on the one year, one year extension, the deal was cut down by 25 million euros because they were not sure of the Messi, of, of Messi's, Messi's stay. Okay. Same thing with um, the sleeve sponsor, Beko. They also said, look, we're not going to sign you long term. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with Messi. So, a lot of the, income Barcelona makes, is tied to Lionel Messi. okay? Because it's a huge brand, it's probably the most recognizable sportsman in the world and all that. So, a lot of it is tied to Messi being at the club. So, you put on one side the reduction in commercial uh, revenue associated to a player, then how much of that commercial revenue are they spending? Now, just look at the wages. It's ridiculous. Messi earns over a million uh, euros per week, 1,160,000 per week on the old contract. We hear taking 50% because we have to wait. I'll to take see. that. <laughs> I'll take a 50% on one million. On, on that. I <laughs> found this man, 689,000 euros per week. Philippe Coutinho, who hardly plays, 470,000. So, first of all, even if you want to move these guys, who would take them? This on these wages. Mm. uh, Pjanic, 314,360 euros per week. Who's going to take him? And he hardly plays as well. Uh, whoever did that deal needs to ask questions. Because mm. he swapped Pjanic for Arthur to go to Juventus and they still paid <coughs> on it. Busquets, 314, same as uh, Pjanic weekly. Alba, two forty five uh, nine twenty per week. Is the so you look at how they structures those deals, the mm. salaries. Then we now come to the transfer fees they paid. Mm. Uh, Film Coutinho has different clauses in this. Mm. The transfer fee they paid Liverpool. What they are 14, due. 15, around, they are due to pay another seventeen point one million US when he plays another ten, 10 games. games. He's not going to play those games. <laughs> I can bet you. <laughs> he won't play those games. So, guys. so you look at that. How crazy that is. Uh, there's this man that spent over 100 million euros mm. to bring me from Dortmund. He's also hardly played. Okay. Let me this let me hold you. But, uh, um, I'm actually getting to that realm where a lot of people have said the transfer fees and salaries being paid across the board in football, not only Barcelona now, are becoming unsustainable. Man City and PSG were able to wiggle their way out of financial uh, regulatory Problems in the last couple of years. Um, Yemi mentioned you, the, the desperation to acquire players. Obviously, they paid, Barcelona paid over the horse for Couture and Dembele. We can mention a lot of other clubs who have paid over the horse to hire players and all of that. Is this Barcelona problem symptomatic of the fact that all these transfer fees and wages that are still continuing, by the way, are not sustainable in football, especially in the aftermath? of uh, the pandemic, the, the COVID-19 pandemic that ravaged the world and has affected so many uh, financial models of funding. What do you think?
1: The, 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 I agree with you. Uh, the, the, the fees are crazy. And honestly, I don't think it's sustainable. And, and then, uh, thank, thankfully, and thank God that FIFA runs out to stop that Super League which has made this problem worse. Yeah, Because teams who have been aspiring to do things that they can't uh, afford. And as a a Villa fan, whose best player is being bandied around in the media, ascending to one of the biggest teams in uh, in, in England, uh, I I will point the finger at those two Manchester teams and and those two big guns uh, in Spain. This other other teams are scrambling uh, to to catch up, and that that, that is what has led us to, uh, to where we are. And Unfortunately, like Yemi said, if the regulatory bodies have been doing their duties and doing their jobs, I mean, lot of these clubs should, should have been studied in their tracks a long time ago. And you mentioned PSG and Mass City now. How are these teams still able to at drop of a heart take humongous sums of money to rob other clubs of the talents that, that that they, they created with Beijing, As long as these people that are that are that are, are legalizing how monies are spent by clubs as long as they are leaving loopholes for, for, for teams to crawl through because the suspect that this is happening because this is mm-hmm. Barcelona are we sure that Real Madrid are not in the same boat because mm-hmm. I remember the time that Real Madrid uh, were going to get in the, in, in this situation uh, um, the, the, the the Spanish government made some magic mm-hmm. to, uh, exactly to, to ensure they, they escape so for me as long as the level, as the playing ground is not level, some teams will be finding ways to find to create. Nothing not find to create loopholes that they can jump through. And I think it's unfair because the football that we, you and I enjoy, it is it is the unpredictability of it. It is it is the fact that a Shiny light shows up at, at a club, just like your best showed up at United, all those years ago, and transformed the landscape. This is what makes football interesting that they grow the best talent from the an academy and they're able to keep them, to challenge the other. You know, but when teams can buy their way to success, just like City C- C- did and I see doing, like Chelsea did and I see trying to do, um, a, a time will come when these new money teams will come up with a suggestion that almost tore the, almost tore the football world apart a few months ago, DJ.
0: Yeah, your yeah, body alluded to, I mean, to the uh, Super League, which was almost set up because those clubs were in a desperate need yeah. of funding. Yeah. Because they have, you know, how likely they, they have spent, budget, uh, spent themselves <laughs> into debt. Serious debt. And, and a, a lot of them have spent themselves into debt. So, is it not a warning sign? Now, the Super League didn't happen. We have Barcelona and you can now know why Barcelona and quickly Rem- signed up. And Real Madrid and and quickly wanted to sign up for that because it was money that they could use to offset their problems. What can the authorities do really? Mm-hmm. Because at this rate, at the end of the day, you don't want a big, a big team as Barcelona to go down. Oh, the good. chances are the authorities will still find a way to try and bail them out or give them some soft landing rules and all of that. How do you... Of course, nobody bargains for the pandemic which also affected, because I have an idea of how much these clubs, especially Real Madrid, I've been to Real Madrid's uh, um, this stadium tour, how much they make on a daily basis and all that was lost for by a year. Yeah. You know, so, what can the authorities really do? Because no matter how much you criticize them, it's going to have a terrible cascade, negative cascade effect if a club like Barcelona go, goes down, financially. A yeah, club of like Barcelona won't go down, financially. Spain can't afford that to happen. Exactly. Uh, they will find a way. Uh, these are these are institutional clubs. They've become part of the fabric of the entire country. So there's, I don't think the Spanish government will let that happen. However, there are a lot of the authorities can do. First of all, we'll just follow the financial fair play rules you set out in the first instance. You can't spend what you don't generate. Um, the loan caveats, you know, all everything that has to do with the financial packages that these teams are able to um, access. So, for instance, we mentioned Real Madrid. Real Madrid, on one hand, right now, we notice that they're not talking about signing any players. Mm. They're trying to sell, sell as much as they can because they've also invested in uh, reconstructing their stadium, renovating their stadium. they try tried to sell their training ground. They couldn't sell. You know, so, a lot of them are doing a lot of financial engineering. Yeah. Which includes sending the assets that are which are which are the players. Yes. So one of such things is I think we're getting close to the point where we might start having a salary cap. Salary cap generally across board that UEFA might have to set. Uh which is almost borrowing a leaf from what the Americans have uh, yeah, in their the respective NBA, Um some might disagree with me saying a club like Barcelona cannot go down because if you look at the English football landscape, mm. some teams in England, some big teams in England in the past suffered some form of um, financial wounds and they went down and some of them are you know, gradually Finding their coming way back. back. Example is uh, Leeds. Um, so a lot has to be done with with respect to how these clubs, one on one hand, how they generate their money. Uh, interesting, some of them have become a little bit... You know, smart as well. Atletico Madrid, for instance, I've got a private equity, uh, so private equity guys to fund. Them, I think, to of over 200 million dollars to buy a stake mm. in the club. Mm. These are things that some of these guys need to start exploring. It's harder for the likes of Real Madrid or Barcelona because of the structure that exists in terms mm. of the ownership mm. of those clubs. It's more community based, club based ownership structure. So mm. getting investors to come in and you know might be a bit tricky. So that's where you have to explore multiple avenues. Investments need to come in. The Americans are very, very open to pumping money into European football. It looks very attractive. That has to, a lot of that needs to happen. Two, there needs to be a lot of financial controls in place. Like I said, salary cap and also potentially even a transfer cap needs to happen, which will create more of somewhat a level playing field for all. So, for instance, the Manchester United probably generates upwards of 500 million pounds uh, per annum. They can sell the capacity for each tier. If you generate this amount, you can't spend more than Mm. X amount. But I thought that was what FFP had. That's what FFP is supposed to do. But then the clubs have found ways around it. Around it. Mm. So, which is why we are where we are today. Okay, another angle, buddy, is the fact that I've always felt, honestly, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. You know? And some of these players really, it's just a case of their agents. Being able to negotiate a good deal, these players do not have not earned. There are many players in England on a hundred thousand pounds a week. That <laughs> honestly <laughs> shouldn't be paid in my view. Should be more than thirty or forty thousand. But they're able to. Has, has it got to a point where the players, the the, the 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 players also must start having a realistic expectation that look, these financial models are crashing. We have to be much more realistic about the salaries we're expecting from clubs. I mean, wages we're expecting from clubs in terms of how much you can command and how much you can get.
1: Players did now. Ever, yeah, I agree with you that the, the players will need to uh, we need to start thinking that direction. Mm-hmm. But hey, how many players can resist when, uh, uh, when when a club is offered to double your wages? Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that that Greenish earlier. Um, I, I, I think it was on uh, seventy thousand uh, pounds when Villa first came up th- into the Premiership. Uh, la- Two, two seasons ago, it's signed a, a five-year contract. The money was doubled—one hundred fifty thousand pounds per week—and now we are thinking of adding more money to, 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 that, to, uh, to, to that because the bigger clubs are sniffing. So sometimes it is—it is a spiral; it is a spiral effect. And, you, you, like I said, the players cannot resist when the, the, when money is being thrown at them. Again, you mentioned the agents, DG. The amount of monies that clubs pay to agents mm. is ridiculous. Absolutely. Sometimes that is what that is what uh, uh, what makes the transfer transfer fee so huge because they just take such a massive cut out of it. In the case of uh, is, is it personal that even uh, so, some there are some players there are some players that are, not only the agents even their, their families get paid offered money by these clubs mm. and it comes out to what I said earlier. All these clubs want to do. Is take players that other teams have nurtured, mm-hmm. because they realize that the, 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 because they, they, they want a bigger part of the general pie. That uh, like uh, like any said, most of the money that Barcelona is making comes from them having Messi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I good for Barcelona. They are the ones that develop the player. But when when teams know that by pricing players from you, they can make one For instance. The money that Real Madrid paid for uh, um, for, for uh, David Beckham, they made it up in shirt sales. The same thing with, with, with Ronaldo. So when teams start thinking that direction, they, they are willing to borrow themselves themselves into too you know, and that is unfortunate. But hey, yes, the maybe the players are to are to blame, but when agents, some sometimes it's, sometimes it's even the agents that put words in the players' mouths and and gets in their heads. Because the agents know that they they will get paid. That's when these players, even when these players want to uh, want to consider staying at at their club, because they love the club, they just go to their families. And so it's not just the players' energy; it is all those involved with football, especially those okay. who tend to make more from the talents of these players.
0: Okay. Well, I I think it's time for uh, football to have a reset button. Um. The financial inevitability of what's happening is Barcelona today. We don't know who is going to be uh, tomorrow. Um, it's time to pause, reset, and know that we can't continue to go down this what I would like what I call a financial downward spiral mm-hmm. for football. Everybody has got to sit across the table and so look. We have to be realistic. These figures for transfers, for wages, for all aspects of football in terms of payments. Are not to agents and all of that are not realistic. If we want to sustain this sport over an extended period of time, we want to continue to grow it. We have to all pause, have a reset button and rework the financials to more reasonable and more realistic um, alternatives. So, Barcelona, like Gemi said, will definitely get out of it it's one way or the other. He'll <laughs> survive it. But I think it's just set the tone for all the other clubs to take a look at themselves and say, hey. Are we doing things right? Right now, Barcelona, I'm sure the era of throwing money around has gone, at least for now. And maybe all the other big clubs will take a cue from that. All right. So, Barcelona and Real Madrid, top rivals, are struggling financially. And there are two rivals in Formula 1 who are setting the tone for what promises to be a monumental season. Silverstone Circuit witnessed a race for the ages at the weekend when Lewis Hamilton tried to overtake Max Verstappen. Uh, Verstappen being given, there was a crash. Verstappen uh, crashed out. Lewis Hamilton was given a second penalty. He recovered and he won that race. And in winning that race, he caught um, Max Verstappen's lead to eight. You get the feeling that if Lewis Hamilton or Mercedes had not won that race, or Max Verstappen had won it, it was game over, as far as this was concerned. So, for Silverstone, was a must win for Mercedes. They pulled it out. There's been 10 races this season. Max Verstappen has won five. Lewis Hamilton has won four. But Silverstone has now set the tone, so to speak. You hear me? The gloves are off. Accusations and counter accusations They've crashed two times. We hope they don't crash again. <laughs> but this is going to be one monumental Formula 1 season. We had a podcast much earlier where we had Osi, who was a... who is, By the way, Osi was at Silverstone for that race. Osi is a Red Bull guy, but very disappointed about what happened. But le- le- let's focus on the incident. It was just a racing incident, was not it? Are we getting overboard on both sides? Because it could have been the other way around. You know, first of all, I like the your quick rhyme Silverstone set, his, set, set the tone, tone. okay mm. <laughs> um, this is what the sport needs mm. the sport I think since um, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, we haven't seen any core mm. rivalry know, to and were the teammates then yeah uh, so I think this is what the sport needs the sport needs a hot rivalry like this for it to continue uh, um, to lift up the profile of Formula 1 uh but at the same time, I think there's a lot blame to go around you know with respect mm, to this mm. issue uh this um, this particular issue is almost reminiscent of uh Attencena and Alan Prost. yeah um in the in the in the eighties or thereabouts, about in early nineties when both were the top two drivers they were also on the same team at the point and one had to go that's good there separately so the sport needs this um because Imagine if Verstappen had won, we don't have a race. We don't don't have have a championship. Because uh, because there there was almost absolutely no way Lewis was going to catch him. But with this, it sets everything finely balanced. Mm. Let's go for the remaining races uh, for the season. Now, to the main incident. Whilst one school of thought has blamed Hamilton... For his poor driving, poor sportsmanship, disrespectful uh, celebration, and what have you, our school of thought has pointed to Max's antecedents. That look, this same incident, Max has been involved in similar incidents sem-ri-19 in the past. Why? That's why we call him Mad Max. And at that time, the excuse was he's young, mm. he's brutish, he's that trying to say. find his way. Trying to grow up in the ladder, and then now the guys on the Max side are now saying Lewis should know better, you know, and all that. But I looking at that, like the game. I say, even if he didn't hit him on the start, if if, if Max had got to the front of him, there's every chance that Lewis, Lewis would have behind and behind. Lewis um, been behind, so it could have been, it could have been yeah. this one, okay, buddy. I know you're a huge Lewis Hamilton fan. And um, he's trying to win an eighth title, is it? Nine to win an, a ninth title. Or is it eighth or ninth? I think he's trying to win an eighth title. He's eight. trying to win an eighth title. He's seven times time Formula One champion. He's trying to win an eighth title and a lot of pressure. But we it's always eight, knew. It's, it's his eighth title as soon as two years. eighth title as soon as two years. We always knew, though, that this was going to, not going to be easy. Max Verstappen was set up for this. This is Red Bull. The car was ready. For this season, but these are thrown him back in the in the in the mixer. Going forward, who is under more pressure now, in your view? Is it Lewis Hamilton, who's had to fight from behind for the first time in a long time and he has got himself back in position, or is it Max Verstappen, who's been used to chasing the leader but is now the hunted? Who is under more pressure?
1: You, on, on, on a lighter note. Um also, can have the to you mentioned his name, uh OC. <laughs> OC used to last season while Hamilton was running away with it, OC used to make one each time he comes to console himself, he said all he takes is one DNF. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, there's a DNF. But in the wrong direction. You know, you know, I, I told
0: him, but I told him two weeks ago that when he was, you know, you you were out of town. When he will come to the studio we on deserve, Monday morning we deserve, wearing boo. wearing his red blue top and, and, you know, laughing at all the... You know, I told him, two weeks ago, I told him, I said, Oh see, 33 points, but it only takes one DNF. <laughs> Honest, I told him this one like DNA. a couple of weeks ago and I didn't know it was going to happen. And of course it happened.
1: So, back to
0: the question, who do you think is under more pressure right now?
1: Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, there's a second point. Okay. <laughs> I remember you telling the stories that the first two or three times you went to Old Trafford, United lost those games. Yes, <laughs> Osika, Osi, Osi himself to Silverstone. To, 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 to watch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> so you are saying Osika jinxed Madman Max mad Verstappen? I hope when you come back, yes. you'll be able to face him in the studio. <laughs>
1: but that's an aside. Um. I, I was also following up on, on this news after, and uh, so, so one letter made a terrific point. He said, "At key moments in previous races this season, that Max has won, that he has driven, he, he, uh, that he, he has driven the same way, and Hamilton allowed him to back up.
0: Yeah,
1: allowed him. And I remember Hamilton. You know, I didn't know this because, of course, when you are watching the race. Real time, you you, you You are not there. You don't know the decisions that drivers have to make because sometimes we don't know the intricacies of all the rules. So, when that writer noted that it's not that Max Verstappen had changed, it is that Hamilton had made Because I remember Hamilton saying a while back that it is not a procession, it's a race. And when you are racing, things happen. Yeah. And that's and I and I think that is why a lot of drivers are saying, why 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 is it that the FIA are making so much out of this? That it's it's a regular thing that happens because we are racing. Yeah. DG. Now thanks to, thanks to your question. I think the odds are that unless the FIA comes out and makes some drastic pronouncements, we are going to see more of this happen in the coming races. Because mm. now Hamilton the Yes, the doors are off. Look, what Hamilton did was to put down a marker. Mm. You win this race, you are out of sight. I won't allow it.
0: Isn't that a bother though? Isn't that a bother though that we hope we don't have... uh, You know, because it's it's a dangerous sport. The two of them going at it like this, I hope we won't have a crash that God forbid we will all regret. Isn't that a bother? Because that's a bit of a bother for me.
1: For me, also it's a bother. I'm just saying you ask me, because now both of you, both of them are under pressure.
0: Yeah.
1: You mentioned Mad Max. There's a reason they call him they called him Mad Max. And like like Yemi said, people made excuses for him. The only thing I missed did wrong quota was that I'm just them back down. And that is what happens when you have been bullied so many times. We all know that Mark Max has a better car. But I can put my mind on it that having is a better driver. Okay. Because he sees things on that racing track that most other most other drivers miss, and some so of some of the races he won last year was well, due to decisions decisions that he made. People that 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 a race this season that American ended that race on tires that are almost yeah. dead.
0: Yeah,
1: because he made the decision to pit. Okay. So for me, both are under pressure. Hopefully, the FI will rein them in because Mad Max will not lose Mad Max himself. In every race. And But now that I know doesn't want to lose in front of his own crowd. Mm-hmm. And I guess that now that he knows that he can call his bluff, I will, will not back up. So the, it's now down to the FIA to ensure that they are, they are not going to allow them to race, which will be dangerous. Because, like you said, it has set down a bad precedent, it, it has set a bad precedent, and we all know where, where this will likely end. Okay. Okay, buddy. So it's yeah. down to, uh, to the FIA.
0: Okay. Okay, buddy, um, Yemi, buddy mentioned about decision-making. You know, at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, uh, Verstappen uh, crashed out and the race was going to continue. And Hamilton, I think, was in second or third position. I think second position. And he could have coasted in that second position and gained points and all that. He went for it. He also crashed out. Both of them did not finish. Sergio Perez went on to win. Bad decision on Hamilton's part. This latest race, Silverstone, would you say was a bad decision on uh, Max Verstappen's part? Because it was the first lap. There are 52 laps. If I let him pass, I still have enough time to overtake him, recover, or even if I lose the race and I come in second, I gain 18 points against 25. I still have a, I think it would have been a 25-point lead yeah. instead of losing it totally. So, would you say that Hamilton made his own bad decision at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, would you say it was bad decision by Mad Max in this race? Bad decisions in equal measure. Yeah. Um, yes, Hamilton could have just coasted and ensured I he got a put on finish in Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Okay. Um, that move to potentially finish first. Mm, Costing that one. And now in this one, Max should have, you know, paced himself. Mm. First lap, North Hamilton didn't pass um, Leclerc until I think the final two, lap. Two, final two laps? Final two laps in that race. So, And it was at the same turn, actually. And, was, and uh, Leclerc it, it gave, gave him mm. a okay, pass. You know, so, um, sometimes it's also part of the strategy. You really don't know what, you know, the team is saying to the driver, you know, in terms of, okay, this guy is approaching how do you handle this? But first lap, there's a lot. There's still a long way to go in the race. Mm. Probably you want to say maybe a bit of uh, inexperience on mm. the part of Max for being too bullish at such a start, where he could have, you know, probably commanded his way through and found a way to catch uh, Hamilton as long as he's not too far better, especially because he supposedly has the better car. Mm. So um, I think in equal measure, enough blame to go around. But I think that um, a little bit of inexperience will have to for Max in that uh, Silverstone Grand Prix. So when you talk about rivalries, it's becoming very, very tight. Uh, Of course, um, uh, Max Verstappen now leads by just eight points, which in Formula One is nothing, nothing. (laughs) you know. And uh, Red Bull only leads by four points in the Constructors' tight Championships. We have a situation where both teams have been throwing brick Max Horner was angry. Uh, toto wolf retorted and all of that and we still have we have the hungarian grand prix in a couple of weeks coming up so that next race is very very crucial buddy what should be mercedes's strategy right now i'll ask you that and i'll ask jemmy what should be red bull strategy right now first mercedes what should be their strategy right now they are back in the race and what do they do next
1: you know, the thing is that because every race is different, and then until um uh, uh, until you know how they line up on the lineup of the grid. What time do they have? Unless they can improve their car, which I don't think they can, and get it to be competitive. They they just they've they just got to rely on on the decision making of Hamilton and the team on for uh, on 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 on, on Race Paris basis. But I, I'm sure they like where they are. It's just eight points. And like will see. all it takes is, is a, just under DNA. <laughs>
0: yeah hear me? Red Bull, they are still in the lead on both counts. Yeah. You just have to be calmer. Um, employ a, a sustainability type approach. That's let's just where we are. Uh, if you can go for the kill, if there's an opportunity to go mm. for the kill, Mm. do that. But with the way the the race is going, as long as Max continues to finish on the podium, podium. Mm. there's a likelihood that he will win yeah. And, um, yeah the championship so maybe maybe like you said maybe the next couple of races Red Bull just stay calm. Just stay calm. Don't overstretch it. Don't mm. go for it too much. Just try and place properly and then but for Mercedes, you know they, they're still eight points but to overcome. The pressure is more I think the pressure mm. is more on Mercedes because they have to catch up. And I'm not sure the, over the years, how many times have they been in this position, position of playing catch up. Want to catch up? Mm. So, but your you man,
1: okay? Don't you think is that well, what is is the opposite, opposite of what you said? Look, they are been the champions in the past, right? Don't you think it's Red Bull who are who are the ones ahead that's under pressure to show that the three points. Uh, gap they have. Just a week ago, they didn't lose it. They, 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 they don't lose everything. I think the, the pressure is more on Red Bull, I, and, I think the, and I think the pressure is also more on them because it depends on what is going on inside Max Verstappen's head. Because what happens with Hamilton it can happen with anybody else, as long as it's Max that is driving. <laughs> we all know Max can be. know Max, how reckless Max can be. That's why they call they, they used to call him Mad Max. Mm-hmm. So no. I think, like you said, they need to be calmer. Their head, it is to control Max. They are the faster car, so they have an advantage, and so they are under more pressure.
0: Okay, i have to wrap it up. Let me ask you for. <laughs> I like when I don't have a, to make a prediction. Let me ask you for predictions. Um, Mad Max to topple Lewis Hamilton or Lewis Hamilton to continue uh, his uh, title change, like uh, title streak. Sorry, it's one of. The- and uh, we know <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough call because you really don't know what will happen but then I think Lewis might just have enough experience to to, to see it. through. through. alright um, but uh, who wins I can guess what who you'll say but, but let me but, but, but
1: yes because look Max Max is somehow a, a local pressure and is, is likely to make more mistakes Okay. I mean he has nothing to prove he is a good driver and I can say, it's in, it's in the head of
0: Max. And that is crucial. Okay, I know. I think O.C., wherever he is, will have a different <laughs> opinion from the two of you. Uh, when he comes back, i like to see his face when he gets back to the office, uh, whenever he gets back. All right, you can follow this podcast, Sports360Pod on IG as Instagram, Sports360Pod on Instagram. You can follow us and share all our podcasts Uh, on a weekly basis. It comes to you every Thursday and that's when you can watch out for Sports 360 Podcast. Season 1 will be over in a bit and Season 2 will be coming up bigger and better. But we want to thank everybody. At, At times you look at the territory from where people listen. It's very, very impressive. We thank you all for staying on to Sports 360 Podcast. Once again, follow us on Sports 360 Podcast on Instagram. Thank you guys for another exciting episode of Sports 360 Podcast. We'll hit you up again same time next week. Bye-bye.